ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha production, present the VC show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Gold on Woody, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share short stories from his illustrious, damn right, 22-year career. That's the VC show. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast, where NBA free agency is a little more than 24 hours away. We've already had some drama, some unexpected players becoming available. There's going to be more drama to help us preview what the next 96 hours or however many hours of madness we're going to get. The one and only Bobby Marks, our front office insider, who's always handy because you're going to tell me when I'm wrong on the cap and all of that. Bobby, we're almost there. How are you? I'm good. For the sake of my marriage, I hope it's not more than 96 hours. (laughs) But we'll see, right? Well, Bobby, let me, I've always, there's, I've always said, I've really, I've always said, I always tell people, normal people keep the world going, but those who dare to be different lead us into tomorrow. It's just something I've always said in, in, in regular conversation, particularly when I'm signing documents that pay me a lot of money. So the big news yesterday, obviously, was Kyrie Irving opting in to the $36 million player option he had for the Brooklyn Nets. And you are already laughing. You want to say something. So I will, I will let you talk. Well, I mean, I was different yesterday. I had a turkey burger instead of grilled trees in the cafeteria. So, like, I, I changed the world last night, right? Dude, that's something you say when you like join the Peace Corps or something, when you like leave your, if you're like the CEO of Goldman and you decide to quit your job and join the Peace Corps, that's what you say, something like that. So anyway, Bobby, obviously everything's fine and the drama's over and now we go from here with the Brooklyn. I just, so so let's just, let's just review. Uh, sign and trade, couldn't find any sign and trades. We'll talk about that. Uh, sign and trade had all sorts of hard cap complexities to it that you and I talked about last week. The opt-in was always the easier, smarter move for Kyrie to make just because it guaranteed him all this money. And we, we all this Lakers talk about how he might take the tax mid-level for $6 million, or could the Lakers open up the big mid-level for $10 million? He plays one year there. Maybe signs a long-term deal after that, although that is harder than people made it out to be because you don't have somebody's bird rights when you sign them to a one-year deal. All of that proved to be a semi-interesting kind of leverage play. And then, bam, the opt-in. Now, there was some fear within the Nets that the only way he would opt-in was as the condition of a prearranged trade. That does not appear to have happened. But I ask you this, like, I don't understand. I, I don't understand a lot of things that happened. I don't understand why a two plus one deal that just seems so logical to me. I don't understand if the Nets did not offer a two plus one deal with the second year fully guaranteed. I don't know exactly what the Nets offered. I know there were a lot of different permutations. Bobby, I'm not convinced they offered any permutation where the second year of a contract was fully guaranteed for Kyrie Irving. That actually surprises me. I would have done that if I were them just to stave off the Durant drama. I'd rather have a two plus one if he would have even signed that. I have no idea than opting in and becoming an expiring contract because there's this sigh of relief that happens that, okay, Kyrie's in. We got control of the situation as the team. Let's roll out Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, whoever else around them, which we'll talk about. 
and just roll with it. Vegas already has us the second best odds to win the East. My question is like, why are we assuming that it's over? All he did was opt in. They can still trade him. He can still ask for a trade. They don't have to honor it. I don't, I'm a little confused about why. I understand the sigh of relief, but what in the history of the Brooklyn Nets superstar experiment would suggest that Kyrie Irving is a 100% lock to finish the season with the Nets? Well, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, for at least for today, there's probably a sigh of relief, and probably for last night, there was a sigh of relief. But for me, I, I just thought that the short term, if the, the two year deal or maybe a two year plus a third year, I don't know if it was a team option or whatever conditions on there just would have made sense because it would have removed this cloud that is con- will continue to hang over the Brooklyn Nets on a player that's on an expiring contract. That's where, at least for going into the season, because Zach, I mean, as you know, we're in this off season, right? Everything's good. Nobody's playing. Everybody's rosters look good. Well, that all changes in October and November when you get off to a slow start and all of a sudden we're talking about the expiring contract of Kyrie Irving and who has cap space and who wants to, you know, Brooklyn's going to trade him now. Now they're going to blow up the roster and everything. And it's, it just, there's, there's so many different layers where at least if you had him on two years, you remove that. He could still be traded down the road, but you just re, you re, remove that cloud that's, that will continue to hang over. I mean, for the short, short term, you for Sean Marks, they're they're head of basketball operations. Now he can move on and figure out what to do with the rest of the roster, right? There's so many different things. They got seven or eight roster spots to fill. Um, do that. What happens with Patty Mills? But um, I don't see the the Kyrie Irving situation being resolved just because he opted in. Um, it's resolved for now because he's not a free agent, right? He's not a free agent. There's not a threat of him going to the Lakers. The, the nuclear option of Kevin Durant asking to come ask for a trade, I don't believe is there right now. Um, so for temporarily, yes, but yeah, I, I sadly, I sadly, I sadly threw my sheet of even more fake Kevin Durant trades than we talked about last week. I sadly threw it in the recycling bin of life for for another for another day. It's in the it's in the don't don't throw it out yet, but it's just in a little tray. I was so excited to talk Kevin Durant trades with you today because we talked offline yesterday and I was excited because I th- I think the both of us were going to shift the power lines in Las Vegas based on the Miami Heat who at the time We made a discovery. We, did. we made a discovery. A, a cap guy, not even a cap guy. Someone in a front office called me and said our cap guy listened to your podcast and has an alert for you about the Miami Heat's ability to theoretically trade for Kevin Durant somewhere down the line as our cap guy. And then I checked with you. I said, Bobby, I heard this. Can you can you tell the people just 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 as a window into how ridiculous all of this is? We actually had a phone conversation about this topic yesterday as I was walking to the Draymond Green, J.J. Redick live podcast in New York City with my poor wife who only wanted to go out to dinner and not have anything happen for 45 minutes had to listen to this enlighten people. Well, well, first, Vegas had the, the Heat as the favorite. I think it was like plus 250 um, or maybe I don't even know how the lines were. I they think were the, favorite. the Nets are still Vegas' yeah. favorite to win last year's title right now. I think they're still favored over the Celtics and the Warriors. <laughs> So how they, the rules work for players that uh, rookies that sign these designated rookie scale extensions here that a team is allowed to have two players on their roster. OK, the Nets have Ben Simmons. And certainly if we did a fictional Bam out of bio trade, 
that would be two, right? The catch is, is that you cannot have two players that were acquired in a trade as your two players. You can have one, which is Simmons. Two guys on the designated five-year rookie extension. Exactly. So if the Nets have Ben Simmons, if the Nets had a a rookie and they were going to sign to this extension, they don't, um, then they they would be allowed to do it, but you're not allowed to have um, two players. I believe it's going back in time. It's basically what happened with Kyrie Irving back in Boston Remember when they were trying to go after, I think, Anthony Davis, and you weren't allowed to have two players at the time signed to this that you were acquired in a trade. So I was excited. I thought we were going to shift, uh, you know, the lines in Vegas by this on this podcast. Uh, we can put that to bed for uh, for today. Um, and now we just move on with Kyrie. By the way, the entire conceit of this podcast was you and I ranked our five most interesting teams for the coming offseason. And I unilaterally said the Nets are number one. We're not we're talking about them first. We have to because of the events of last night. So all of the same. We went through all the sign in trades with all the teams on Kyrie's list, the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Heat, the Knicks. I don't even remember who else. Most of those teams could not functionally acquire Kyrie Irving in a sign-and-trade anyway without sloughing away a million assets because of the hard cap. Well, that's gone. There is no sign-and-trade option. So theoretically, all those deals are still on the table. I just don't really think any of them exist. Like, Miami was not giving up Tyler Hero in any and draft picks in any Kyrie Irving trade right now. I just, I asked around, like, do you think the Mavericks would even do something like Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway Jr.? I don't think they would. I mean, I just, I think right now that's what the market for Kyrie Irving is. It's so low that the Nets just can't functionally, like, you don't trade a guy at the absolute lowest point of his value unless you have to. And now they don't. Um, I just, I, again, like, I, 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 I just don't think this is necessarily over, but it's over for, I mean, it's over for now. I mean, I, he could, this could, a trade could still happen anytime, really, if, if, if the situation goes haywire. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to assume, Bobby. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean that's what you were looking at, role players. I mean, I'm just looking at the Mavericks right now. I'm sure they would give you like Dinwiddie and Bertans for Kyrie, right? Like that's kind of like what you're. That's what you're looking at. Take a swing with Irving and and Luca, especially if you lose, if you left, if you're going to lose Jalen Brunson potentially. So the hall of of players and draft picks is is not there for Kyrie. And then as we talked at length before. What do you do taking back players? And then all of a sudden the other player, Kevin Durant doesn't want to be there. Now you're stuck with blah, right? Just now, now there is players. still, there is still a scenario that is whispered about not by the net. I want to be very clear about this. It's whispered about by people on other teams and agents who just like to talk about things. It's not whispered about by anyone connected to the situation. It's not something that is like in play. It's just something that's speculated about around the league and it's fun. But I believe there is still a scenario where the Lakers could trade Russell Westbrook to a third team with cap room, create a trade exception big enough to fit Kyrie Irving and acquire him that way. That just seems super far-fetched to me because I don't know what the team with that much cap room is at this point. I get Oklahoma City's always out there. Indiana's out there maybe. But, like, the question that you have to ask in that scenario, if Kyrie Irving requested that or something, is what are the Nets getting? Like, that third team has to send actual good players to the Nets to make that worth their while because the Nets are trying to win 
the championship as long as Durant is there, which is is currently going on. That scenario is theoretically possible, right? No, that's possible just because of Irving um, opting into that. 30, it's thirty six million. Westbrook's at forty seven. So you you know you do the math, and that works as far as uh, him going to that thirteen. But as you said, it doesn't. What does it accomplish? To the if net? that happens, if that happens while I'm on television next week in Los Angeles for like our million hour free agency special. I might just start drinking on the set. I if 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 I I actually might just have a couple of beers in a cooler next to me. And if that happened on TV, I'd get a bottle of. I guess I'd have to get a twist off because I don't know if there's going to be a bottle opener. I just might start drinking. And then what are they going to do? Pull me off the set, Bobby? Then it's a free for all. Then I might. Then who knows what I'm going to say? The only thing Brooklyn would get probably would be a banner they can hang in the Barclays Center saying we have a a thirty six million dollar trade exception. That's uh, that's about it. So let's talk about the Nets. I've said this since the Harden trade. Kyrie plus Ben Simmons plus Kevin Durant on paper is fantastic. Just like Kyrie plus LeBron plus Anthony Davis on paper would be fantastic. We all know why Ben Simmons doesn't have to handle the ball. He doesn't have the pressure to be a pick and roll guy, blah, blah, blah. He can grab and go in transition. He's the best in the NBA at setting up people for threes. In that scenario, he can be the all NBA level defender that he is a defense player of the year candidate, a type of player switching one through five that the Nets desperately need. He can be the Draymond Green short roll screen setter for Kyrie and KD, where if you double, I slip into open space, I start. Spread. I get all that. You can, if you put shooters around those two guys, and I've spent way too much time on this podcast speculating about who are the two ideal guys to put next to them. Who's your closing five-man lineup? Is it Joe Harris plus who? Is it another small guard, Seth Curry? Is that too small? Can that lineup defend? Do you try a center like Nick Claxton, who's a free agent, and I would bet on the Nets bringing Nick Claxton back because they freaking need him. Is that bad spacing with Claxton and Simmons? Is there an in-between uh, uh, solution that is either Bruce Brown, who shot the hell out of it for the last two months of last season and became a completely, like, not different player, but much better player than he was. He was passing the ball around. He almost had a 5-by-5 five five game at one point. Is he the in-between solution? Is there someone who's not on the team yet? Like, that all, that's a really good team. That team can compete with anybody in the NBA. I'm just like, can, can we see the team? Can we? Kyrie Irving never plays. He should play now because the vaccine mandate, which is the reason he didn't play, is out the window. And by the way, for everyone who thinks I'm sitting here bashing Kyrie for never playing, A, it's true. B, I voted him All-NBA two years ago as he was the most available of the Nets' three stars. I put him on my All-NBA ballot. He's that good. Ben Simmons hasn't played in 14 months. 14 months. The last time we saw him play, we all know what happened. I don't really care how awesome Ben Simmons looks. I, that's, I, I care a little bit because we haven't seen him in so long. How awesome he looks getting a rebound in transition in January against the Magic, sprinting it up and finding Durant for a three. That's cool. You know what I care about? I care about game six of the second round of the playoffs. Is he going to be in the dunker spot, shrinking, getting smaller and smaller and smaller, hiding under the basket and afraid to get fouled? That's what I care about. On paper, this team is amazing. And by the way, Bobby, you hit on it. And I'd be interested to see your thoughts. I think I bet on Claxton coming back. Nothing's a sure thing, but I bet on that. I think this team's going to be more active in the next four days than people think because they've got those two extra picks from Philly. They've got a bunch of roster spots to fill, a bunch of needs. 
And I I think I would keep my eye on Joe Harris in trade talks because that's a $19 million salary that they can play with. I think Joe Harris is awesome and a perfect fit for them. Um, but I, I think I, I would just keep my eye on, on him in trade talks. That's all I'm saying. I think this team's going to be active trying to upgrade with wing defenders, with a big man. I don't know who they're going to get, but I think they're going to be active. I put their lineup on uh, on SportsCenter this morning on my on my touchscreen, and I had I – had, the starting five, I mean, you, you put Simmons at the five, you can do a lot of fun things with that lineup, right? If, if this is kind of who they are with your, with Harris and Curry and then Kyrie, Durant, Simmons. Um, and as we talked about, like, it's an amazing lineup. It's, yeah. Um, now, as you said, they've got these two big trade exceptions, one at 11, one at six. Those are available. Certainly not to acquire a player in a signing trade, but a player that maybe is, you know, maybe a veteran, you know? Maybe maybe Terrence Ross. Let's. I'm just throwing names out. You know, maybe guys like that who can fit into that 11 million dollar slot. You've got, as you said, those two picks. You've got your tax mid level. We'll see what happens with, um, which is at six five. We'll see what happens with Patty Mills. Patty um, Mills, to be clear, has a player option for six point two million. If he opts out of that, yeah. They essentially have to use their tax mid level on him, right? Well, he can come back at seven million, so they can give him a hundred and twenty percent raise off his five nine. Right. And similar, still have the tax yeah, mid level sim- for somebody else. Similar, like PJ Tucker in um, in Miami, what might happen there? Um, so that's going to be something to watch, as you said. Uh, we'll see what happens with the price of Bruce Brown is going to be. Um, so there's roster spots to fill, but. They're in a better shape. They're in better shape than like I'll say like the Lakers are to fill out their seven or eight spots there because basically Lakers just have the veteran minimum and um, the tax mid level, right? That's it. There's no trade exceptions. There's none of your own free agents. There are all these guys you're not going to bring back. Maybe Malik Monk. Um, there's no there's draft picks, but not until 2027 and 29. And that you know we've already discussed about them trading out that. Um, so yes, there are the resources there for, and you said, as you mentioned, Joe Harris, there are resources there to build back um, this bench. I threw out when, when the Nets got eliminated from the playoffs and we did the Nets um, Hindenburg podcast. Uh, I, I, we talked about those picks and how they might play with those picks and a name that I just said out of thin air, no, no reporting behind it. I said, I would try to go get a guy like Royce O'Neal or somebody from, from whatever happens with the jazz. That's the kind of player that is going to be sort of a realistic trade target for them that fits what they're trying to do. You can come up with big men who who have so, sort of similar skill sets. But I, I, if you're aiming higher than that, I would keep an eye on the Joe Harris uh, piece because I, I just think that's the most tradable big salary they have. I Again, I think Joe Harris is an absolute perfect fit for what they do. Um, there's always... I think ever since that Milwaukee series where, and by the way, if I hear one more time how the Nets were a toe away (laughs) from winning the title, first of all, I don't care anymore. Second of all, were you? Maybe. I mean, maybe you were, maybe you weren't. Yeah, you probably would beat the Hawks in the next round. You're going to beat the Suns in the finals. How healthy is Harden? How healthy is Kyrie? I don't don't really care that they were a toenail away from winning the title two years ago. Um, But I I do think they're going to be active um, coming up and we had to talk about that they're the number one most intriguing offseason team even even now well that leads us to what's next here right i mean i you told you gave me homework and you said well, i want first of all first of all i want to ask you something are the sixers on your list of your top five most interesting teams 
They are. But look, here, but here, but here, here, because I wanted extra credit. I actually have like 10 teams here listed. See, Bobby, you're the guy. If I if the professor asks for eight pages double space, but, don't give him eleven pages or her eleven pages double space. But, give, give them eight. But five are in one section. So does that count? If I have if I have just the cap space teams on one line, does that count as five teams or is that just one team? I always like the badass professors who were like, if you hand me in a paper that's longer than the ask, I just stop reading at the ask and everything after that is in the trash can and if you haven't gotten all your points out by then you don't get them out you get you get a c or something like that um the sixers let's just do the sixers now because i'm that they were not on my list but i can i can feel it happening again bobby i can feel it i can feel it happening again i'm getting suckered in i'm getting suckered in i think everyone is too low on philly the way they went out like a meek little lamb against the heat has left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And I said on get up a couple days ago, they asked me, can Harden be a top five player in the NBA ever again? I said, no, of course not. I, I don't see that. Ever. He's almost 33. He did not look anything like that, but I am not closing the book on Harden as like in the conversation for third team, all NBA guard. I'm not closing the book on that because he was that good. Not long ago, the Harden and Bede pick and roll was the most efficient by the numbers pick and roll combination in the league after the trade. Now they have a full off season to figure out how Maxi, who's a rising star plays off those guys. Maybe they can't move Harris. That's fine. He's a good fit. He's does enough of what he does. He shoots enough threes, all that. He shot more threes after Harden got there. I love the Melton trade. I think they'll find other ways to sneakily upgrade their roster. There's obviously been a lot of PJ Tucker, uh, noise with them. I don't know how that would work. I think they have to cut some money. You can talk about that to give him the full mid-level. I just, I look, and, and then I, but then I keep coming back to, wait a second. Didn't I just see Harden poop the bed in another elimination game? Didn't I see Harden take two shots after halftime with the whole season on the line and then say, hey, you know, the ball never got back to me. I'm just a bystander. Ball, no one passed to me. I'm James Harden. I, I just, no one got, what do you want me to do? Get the ball? You want me to take the ball and do something? How, I can't do that. So I, I'm scarred. All those elimination game things scare me. But on paper, I, I think that team's kind of getting forgotten in the mix of Boston, Philly, Miami, Brooklyn. Or I'm sorry, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn. I think Philly's really good. I think, you know, it's interesting with Harden because up until, you know, certainly he got hurt in the Milwaukee series. Like he had a really good second half after the trade in Brooklyn. Like he was really good. And there were even moments when um when basically he was on an island by himself. That Laker game, right? The Christmas the Christmas Day game, he was tremendous. Like I think the more we get away from how the season ended in Philly and what we saw maybe towards and after the trade and you know you know his performance, like I think the big picture of it is, is that this guy's a really good player. And he's I think he still can be a really good player here. Um his option, and you know, we're taping this on Tuesday. He still has this player option, right? He's going oh, back. Oh God, I forgot about. He's got the player he, option. He's going, I just, he, I just, I guess, Bobby. I guess I've just written in Sharpie in my brain. He's going to come back on like a three-year deal, whether it's the opt-in and two more. I just, I've, I've I, sort of, I, 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 he is. I believe he will. Um, I think it's, and it's going to be interesting because it, it whether is it going to be the opt-in 
at 47-4 and then extend off that. He can only ex- extend for for two seasons up until I think like August 11th because of that, that trade restriction there. So they can only add two more years on it, which would be fine. It's like two for like I think 105, 106 million. Um, or the big thing would be does he opt out and then sign for less, right? The, the less play would be that opens up maybe your tax mid-level exception for P.J. Tucker. Um, maybe you have money to go out and find maybe Gary Payton, just throwing some names out there. Um, let's get, let's get all the 2018 Rockets. Let's get Ariza. <laughs> let's get Daniel house out there. Let's, let's do, let's get everybody. Was Gary Payton, Gary Payton wasn't on that team, was he? No, no. <laughs> but so I think that's going to be the interesting thing because the, um, the Melton for green swap, um, basically puts them over the cap, gives them the six, five, a six, five mid tax mid level. So PJ Tucker opting out to sign for six, five, I don't, Hey, maybe he wants to go to Philly, but I don't see that. Um, so I think the Harden opt in or opt out and what the number comes out basically dictates what some of the money they have. Certainly they, as you said, they can move off salary, um, to give them a little bit of flexibility here. But, um, but yeah, Philly, I think is a, a team to watch because I don't think they're content as far as, you know what, we're going to, we got 13 guys under contract. We're good with what we have. Let's just go use our tax mid level. I think there's always a move that, you know, Daryl's looking to do. If, if they do reunite with PJ Tucker, if Daryl Morey reunites with PJ Tucker, I, I think he has to recreate the Harden getting off a private jet and hugging on the tarmac moment with PJ. I think every former rocket from the peak Morey era deserves that treatment on Instagram and Twitter. That's that's I look, they're suckering me in again. I just Embiid is that good and I think Harden I think the discourse on him is almost gotten too negative like people view him on the way to being washed up and I and I get why he played that way with their season on the line. I think he and Embiid are a great combination. If he can Look, I feel like I'm talking about if Russ can just set some ball screens. By the way, breaking news from Woj: Russ opted into his player option. I can't, I can't believe it. I thought, I, I thought he might turn down 47 million dollars, but he opted in. Good luck. Um, I feel like you know, like, oh, we everyone's been saying for 10 years if Russ would just cut off the ball and set ball screens behind the defense. Like, well, okay, I mean, we'll see. I feel like we're saying that with Harden, but if he if he gets in peak shape and gets healthy and stays in peak shape, I still think he can get into that like third team, all NBA conversation. And that's all the Sixers need around it. They don't need him to be the 30 point MVP guy that he was in Houston. They just need that. And that's, uh, that's, I don't think that's a reach, but um, anyway, who's, who's next on your uh, top five, most interesting teams. And if I'm not interested in in this team, I'm going to veto them and go on to one of my teams, but I'll let, I'll let you take a shot. Atlanta. They're on my list, so let's do it. Why is Atlanta on your list? Well, there's something brewing there because, you know, I mean, certainly Travis Schlank, their head of basketball operations, has been open that roster continuity does not work for this team anymore as far as what they just went through. So I think it's, it's going to be interesting here. They've got, you know, Gallinari, they've got this 21.5 million dollar partially guaranteed contract. It's five million becomes guaranteed on June 29th if he's not waived by that date. It's going to be interesting what they do with him. Do they possibly maybe extend that deadline to maybe partially guarantee more? Um, could he be their trade chip? We've certainly heard the Deontay Murray rumors out there, right? As far as how many, are they, is that a guy that would fit next to certainly Trey Young? Um, 
I just don't think anybody on that roster is safe outside of Young. I think there is certainly, we, whether it be Collins, um, we'll see what happens with Capella. Um, certainly we talked about Gallinari here, but I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a little bit of a roster shake up there. Um, they are connected with one of my other teams too, that we'll talk about, but I, they were on my list for all the reasons you just said. And I think zooming way out both the Hawks and another team on my list, which we're going to get to soon are sort of going through the same big picture debate, which is sort of like, if you had to simplify it, Okay, you get one shot at like a deal where you throw in three first round picks or two picks in a swap. It's not something you're going to do two times in the span of four years. You get one shot. Should we use it on DeJounte Murray? Slash a guard to pair with Trey Young or whoever we're going to talk about on this other team. Or should we use it on Rudy Gobert? Slash a center to play with our, to, to fortify our defense and surround Trey Young with maybe the best Defensive big man, not maybe. I think the best defensive big man in the NBA, and whatever. It, actually, Giannis, I think, is probably the best defensive big man in the NBA. But that's a different story. Um, and I think that's a really interesting debate, more so for the team I want to talk about later, but also for the Hawks, because when I hear rumors of, and this was the reporting out of a, a local TV, Zach Klein in Atlanta yesterday, and I, I can't, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I can verify it, but there's obviously something cooking. Three first round picks. For DeJounte Murray, even if you're only throwing in Gallo to make the money work, depending on the protections on those picks, and the Hawks have a, a, a Charlotte lottery protected pick courtesy of the Knicks and the Cam Reddish trade, that's a lot to give up for DeJounte Murray. And I love DeJounte Murray. I love his fit, particularly on this mystery team we're going to talk about later. I like his fit next to Trey Young. If I got to give up three, let's say, lightly protected first round picks, I first of all, those are gone. Second of all, I can't trade any picks for the foreseeable future because all my picks are encumbered. And let's say John Collins goes out the door in a different deal. And I have Murray, Trey Young. I guess in that scenario, I'm putting Hunter as my power forward if I'm getting rid of Collins in another deal. And Capella, and that's my team. It's not, it's, it's a good team. Is, is it, do I feel good having given up like all my draft equity to build it? I, I don't I don't know the answer to that question. I think Gobert would would make a bigger immediate upgrade on their team than Murray, but I love Murray. I just don't know where this is like leading for the Hawks, but I think it's an interesting discussion. Well, yeah, and I think it's especially if what does Collins turn into, right? As far as you know, if 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 he is moved, how does the rest of the um, what what does the rest of the roster look like? And it's it's just interesting. It's like you know the teams. Let's like remove the rebuilding teams um, out of the mix, so like the Indianas and, and and that group. It's like the teams that are in that playoff tier that have all their picks, as you said, all their own picks. They've got another pick. It's like you're just burning to to do something with them, right? You want to join them. You want to join the club of Milwaukee and Miami and. I don't know if we're going Brooklyn, like all these Philly, let's say that all these teams have already made that one big trade that have not that have, you know, whether it be Drew Holiday or Harden or, um, you know, Harden in Philly, like, you know, certainly Miami, we, we've talked about, like, as you said, like, who is that one guy that you want to give up two first or three first for? And because once you do it, right, 
then you better be comfortable. The, the, the Drew Holiday one is a great point, and I, that's a point I wanted to make. That's the it, when you do that, that's the one piece away trade. That's the that's the ideal time to do it, and it doesn't have to be one piece away now. This other team I'm going to talk about later, you could spin it as this is our one piece away trade for two years from now. For the Hawks, again, depending on the Collins, if and when, if if and when return. I think John Collins' trade value, from what I've heard, is, is I think, a little lower than what Hawks fans are going to want to hear. I just don't know where that leaves me. It's funny. I was talking about this with a couple guys yesterday around the league. The idea of three picks for DeJounte Murray, I almost don't like for either team. Like, I don't really get why the Spurs seem to be in a rush to do this with a guy who's 25 and really good. And I don't really get the Hawks giving up that much draft equity for I kind of, like, don't love it for either team. Well, and he's, he's got two years left. Right on a great contract. On a great contract, so you've got that for two years, and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Um, so that's what you have to take that in consideration. I mean, like when they did the holiday trade with uh, New Orleans, there was always that sense that eventually Drew would extend. That we saw, I think, in March of following that, you know, uh, of that season here. So, like, if you're going to do that type of deal, like, you better be comfortable. Like, he is going to be part of your fabric going forward. And I think if you pay him a big contract, because he's you're not, he's not going to sign an extension because it's such a low number, right? I mean, it's like 15, 16 million dollars in that range. Um, no, he's gonna want, he's gonna get off oh, that contract and want a max. Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically just playing out the, the string. Hopefully you have a, you're, you're good enough. And, but if, you know, top dollar, if you're gonna pay him 200 million dollars like that, you know, that solves a lot of the issues. Well, and almost no matter what, you could talk about where Herder and Bogdanovich and Hunter is going to be up for a new deal. Congo would be on a new country. By the way, they love Congo, And I, I don't really, that sort of complicates all these, I, this idea that Gobert is going to go there and they're going to pursue a center. I think Congo is going to be, has a chance to be really good. And they definitely think Congo has got a chance to be really good. If you think that, I'm not sure I'm putting all the draft picks into getting a center. I'm, you know, we'll talk about another center that has been linked to Atlanta in a second, but that's I, not a lot of people are talking about a Congo because he's missed so much time due to injury. That that kid's good, and I think he needs to play the five. He might be able to shoehorn it in some minutes into the four here and there. We'll see what his jumper and his passing game comes along. Um, and the but depending on all these pieces, like I don't really think the Hawks. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have like a realistic path to cap room anytime in like the next three or four seasons at at earliest, right? I mean, this is not a team that's going to be able to go out almost no matter what they do and be an easy fit for, you can always sign and trade and all that, but there's no path to cap room for these guys, right? No, I mean, they gave what, $300 million in extension in new contracts last year. And you look at, you know, they've got, even next year, they've got five guys making 15 million plus that's in 23, 24. So the following year, there's four guys. So there is no path to uh, all of a sudden creating uh, cap flexibility for them. Any any other Hawks thoughts before I, I let you pick the next team and or veto it? Um, no, let's go to the next team. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP 
and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Who's your next team? And a warning, I may veto it. Well... I'm going to just, I'm not going to say the five teams of cap space. I'm going to just pick one out of there. Detroit. That's my interesting team. Just okay. be, because I let's look go. at them. They're not on my list, but let's go. Two things here. A, the Jeremy Grant trade has not been finalized yet. So is that deal going to expand where they are going to take back more players? Maybe let's say a Nerlens Noel in the deal. And does that get him like, let's say maybe a player like Cam Reddish? Just spitballing. I'm just throwing hypotheticals out here. So that deal has not been done yet. So remove that factor. And let's just say the grant for is, you know, to Portland and then Kemba goes to um, uh, Detroit and, you know, the, the Jalen Duran goes to Detroit. You're looking at 35, probably even 30, between 35 and $38 million in potential cap flexibility. You gave uh, Marvin Bagley, you qualified him. So now he's a restricted free agent. Okay, so he, he factors in there. So let's let's take out, you know, 12 or $13 million for him. Is there a free agent out there that is worthy of that money? Or do, can you get a direction to create a max slot and just throw down an offer sheet on Miles Bridges? That's what I'm. Uh, that's kind of um, what I'm interested in because I don't see the landscape of free agents out there. It's just not a great class to go out and and split up that thirty million on three players for ten million dollars. Like it just doesn't just doesn't make sense. And I know there's a priority, certainly to, to put more shooters around Cade. But if I got that, if I got thirty one million in, in my bank account here, like would I go out and just plop down an offer sheet, even knowing that it's going to get matched potentially from Charlotte? Just to be mean, the be mean offer sheet. Just the, yeah, the just do it. Poison pill it. Put the fifty percent salary up front. Do all the things trade that the kicker, Nets did with everything. Alan Crabb and uh, Otto Porter and all that. Um, I, look, Detroit uh, drafted a point guard and a center in the top thirteen picks in the draft, or whatever it was. Or uh, Jaden Ivey is not necessarily a point guard, but a guard. Um, and I, the, they were the Aiton rumor destination the deandre ayton rumor destination before picking the duran kid in the lottery after that trade with the knicks and the thunder and all that and i i right now if you asked me predict again just predict i'm not reporting this but predict what detroit is going to do with their cap space my prediction would be they use it to take on money from other teams and get draft picks in return that would be my prediction could they still go after ayton sure could they throw an offer sheet at Miles Bridges, who I think actually fits their team and what they need pretty well? Sure. Um, I, I I think the Duran pick has has changed the the order of 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 likelihood of that to Bridges being first and Aiden being second, maybe. But my 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 prediction would be neither. And I do think there is still a belief despite the rumblings otherwise that Charlotte will just match an offer sheet on Miles Bridges even up to the max and I think Charlotte should 
max and off, a match and offer sheet on Miles Bridges up to the max. Cause like, what the hell else are you doing? I mean, what are we, what are we even trying to do here? Um, so that's my, that's my educated guess on Detroit is if I had to predict, I would pick, they, I would predict they just become roll with the young guys and maybe pick up a little veteran here or there, but be, become a dumping ground for contracts and draft picks. Yeah. I think that's probably, they're not there, right? They're not like, you know, they had a good second half of the year, but I think they're still in a position where to kind of just keep on building up their draft assets. Plus they got 13, I think 13 guys under 12 or 13 guys under contract here. So it's not like they need to go out and sign four players here. So kind of just, and we should, we should mention Brunson too, but they were, they were, you know, there was some reporting linking into Brunson. I think the Ivy trade changes that equation too. And we can talk about Brunson's market uh, if you want, but I would, I would again, well, who knows what the Pistons will do. They've got the flexibility to do whatever they want. That would just be my prediction. Yeah. I mean, and that's where I think Brunson comes into play as far as with New York, because they've got a, They've got some more work to do as far as clear out some room here. Um, I mean, they could potentially get up to, I think they're at, they can get to 18 if Taj is waived and then probably another seven or eight off the books, which is probably going to be Nerland's Noel, I would think. Um, probably not Alec Burks because he just came off that surgery. Um, so Noel, you know, gets you probably to that, I guess that $25 million number for um, Jalen Brunson. And it still gives you the flexibility to bring back Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and that's it. That's all I got for um, the Pistons. Can we move on to one of my let's, teams? Let's go. This is the this is the other team that I was alluding to before in the same either or um, DeJounte Murray, Rudy Gobert, point guard or center debate. The Minnesota Timberwolves mm. with a new president of basketball operations and Tim Connolly coming off a, a hugely um, – a happy year for them, a playoff appearance, a frisky playoff series against the Grizzlies. Um, I have been beating the drum on that's my favorite DeJounte Murray team. Three first round picks would even make me sweat a little bit if I were Minnesota. It's just a lot of picks to give up. I think he's a great fit next to Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And yet there was all this rumbling that no, the Wolves are going to spend their draft equity perhaps on a center. Maybe Rudy Gobert, maybe Clint Capella. Now, I said last week, I, I heard that the Capella stuff was overblown and that was not really serious. Um, I think the price that Utah has been asking for for Gobert was prohibitive, and so I don't think that ever got serious. But the Wolves deciding, presumably with the okay of Carl Anthony Towns, that, hey, man, how about we just get you a center, a rim-protected center? You're going to be a four. You're going to guard stretch fours, but a lot of stretch fours are just kind of standstill guys. We're, we're going to make it easier on you. We can't do this trapping defense you know, and try and masquerade as an okay defensive team that way because you can't protect the rim the way we need. We're going to get you a center. And Jared Vanderbilt was functionally a center on offense anyway. He's always around the rim. It's not that big of a change. I thought that was really interesting. I didn't expect that. And if you go that route, then you have to answer the question of, okay, if we spend our equity to get a guy like Gobert, and again, I don't think anything ever got close, but just the discussion is is out there now. What's our solution at point guard? Are, are we... Are we trying to extend D'Angelo Russell? What's the what's the price for that? Uh, I don't. I, I would be pessimistic about that. I, I would predict no extension for D'Angelo Russell this offseason. Let's just play it out. Are we just gonna kind of say between Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, we and Chris Finch's offense, like that's kind of our point guard, and we're gonna cycle through Patrick Beverly types and spend our equity at center? I think it's a really fascinating debate for a team that, by the way, could have a ton of cap space. This next a year from now and two years from now has almost nothing on the books, although Cats Supermax will be on presumably be on the books by then. 
I think they're in a really interesting spot in part because I think there's an internal understanding that the year after the year is really hard. The year after the leap, everyone expects the leap to continue. It doesn't always continue. If the Russell situation is sideways, if Malik Beasley isn't the player we hoped he would be and we might be trying to move him around, I think there's a sense there that we've got to build on what happened last year and standing pat may not necessarily be enough to get it done. Whenever you overachieve, the the question is always what is next, right? Like we saw it with those Indiana teams that always overachieved, maybe got into like the seventh spot, got into lost in six games in the first round, certainly with New York a couple of years ago. And I think when you look at you extended Patrick Beverly, but you only did it for one year, right? There was a reason why you didn't you didn't extend him into 2023. You still have Anthony Edwards on that rookie contract. He's not extension eligible until next offseason, and that won't kick in until 24-25. You mentioned Towns. The Supermax doesn't start until 24. So you see this sweet spot here of the of the summer of or the offseason of 2023. Malik Beasley has a team option. You have basically no guaranteed money except you know, Towns and, you know, some of your former draft picks, Jared Vanderbilt's got a team option. So here's kind of your, your opening here, as far as if you want to be a player, um, in, as far as in the trademark, it's another one of these teams. Or, or, or does this mitigate against you trading picks for players now, because you can just wait and try to get them in free agency. But then again, we're Minnesota, whoever comes here. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, do you become proactive and do and go go through free agency now, but using it as a trade? And it's another one of these teams that has all their picks, right? It's one of these these teams that are in that six to eight range in the playoffs. The Western Conference is going to be a lot better, right? So, like, where do you see this roster is? Or maybe Tim sees it and be like, you know what? Just hold on tight right now. Let's wait until the two that let me evaluate it for a full year. Let me let's get into the offseason of 2023. And that's where we're going to make our mark. The hard part there, Zach, is that unlike this offseason where we've got like four teams at room, like eventually that's going to increase, right? Like the market's going to correct itself. That's a good point. Yep. Where like, you know, the cap's going to go up a little bit higher. We'll have in, instead of four teams, we'll have 10 teams. We'll have 11 teams here. Houston will be have a ton of money. So Ooh, they're a sneaky, interesting offseason team starting next year. Houston, we're not they're not on my list no. for this summer, but they got they got a lot of fun ingredients cooking right now in Houston. They got a lot. Yeah, that's for next uh, next late next June here. So so Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota wasn't on my list, but they are certainly interesting because as you said, like we're all waiting for like what's next as far as with this roster. Or maybe what's next is not until um next year. I haven't thought this out as much as I would have liked to. And I think Edwards and Cat are so good that you can build out in any number of directions and probably be pretty successful. Like, I think Gobert, Cat would be a really good team. I think Gobert, Cat, Edwards. I think Murray, Cat, Edwards would be a really good team. Um like or point guard Cat Edwards, center Cat, center Cat Edwards. I think both of those directions are fine because of how good those guys are. They do need to figure out a way to defend, and maybe the easiest way to do that is a plug and play center like Gobert. This is going to sound crazy, consider their considering their level of accomplishment in the NBA. I think, and again, I haven't sat down and really done the deep dive on this. 
I think I'd rather get Murray. And and you, so your choice is like, are we gonna get? Are we gonna do all this stuff for a center or a point guard? And then the other position, we're gonna kind of just cycle through placeholder guys who you know we can find like a Beverly or this. I think I'd rather get Murray and figure out the center position every year because there's always centers laying around. And I just love DeJounte Murray's fit with that group. The jump shooting has to come, but the playmaking, the defense, the rebounding, he's only 25. He's like four or five years younger than Gobert. The Gobert contract is huge. Um, His usage rate goes down in the playoffs every single season. You can't throw him the ball against switches. Maybe that's less of a problem with Edwards and Towns than it is with kind of just Mitchell as the lead guy in Utah and no other awesome secondary option. They have good players like Bogdanovich and Conley and all that, but no awesome one. Um, It sounds crazy. I think I might rather do the Murray path and figure out the center than do the Gobert path and figure out the point guard. That, that may be totally wrong. I, that may come back to, to bite me and I haven't thought about it much, but I, I, I may just be too high on DeJounte Murray. And it's a, the Gobert number is a monster number to be locked into, man, like 38, $40 million at the center position. And then you're basically, you super max Carl and you're basically paying, she's 90 million between the two of them, or at least you have, you know, I mean, uh, Murray and Edwards, um, I mean, that's pretty, that is pretty dynamic here. And then maybe you, you, I mean, you still have Murray on that good contract, right? For two years. So you still have that window when you go into, uh, into next off season. Um, any other Minnesota thoughts before we move on? Nope. Can I pick the next team? Go ahead. And be greedy, but I sure. think they're on your list too. We have to talk about them because they have maybe the most important gettable free agent on the board. And I say gettable because I, the expectation league-wide, unless you've heard otherwise in the last 48 hours, Bobby, is that um, Levine and Beal are going back to their incumbent teams. Have you heard anything contrary to I that? I have not. Okay. So we have to talk about the Phoenix Suns, then, yep. who have the DeAndre Ayton situation after failing to come to extension agreement with him in the preseason after a blow-up in game seven against the Mavs, which was an all-time disaster game for any team of the caliber of the Suns. Devin Booker's Supermax is coming. The Suns just did. Somehow, the Suns just somehow decided, let's let a reporter, Kevin Arnovitz, our own Kevin Arnovitz, into our inner sanctum and talk on the record. Like, on the record. About how we just think the draft is useless and we don't pay any attention to it. Our draft board is like four guys. Oh, by the way, we're the same team who picked Jalen Smith over a, a number of good players, most famously Tyree, or infamously, I guess, Tyrese Halliburton. And we just didn't even want him on our team for year three or four of his rookie deal. Like somehow, I just, when teams hang themselves with their own words and don't realize they're hanging themselves with their own words, that is as red a flag as a flag can get about like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I, I love what they did. I love their team, but that was alarming. This Aiton thing, the reason that they're on my list is if they mess this up, I assume they are not going to lose Aiton for nothing because that would be a disaster of epic proportions. If they mess this up and sign and trade DeAndre Aiton, for like an average starting center and a pick or something, like Jakob Pertl and a pick, I think they are going to live to regret it for a long, long time. And my my scorcher of a take is if if something like that happens, 
Chris Paul's 37 years old. This is the last fully guaranteed year of his contract coming up. There are universes, not implausible, where they fall into the play-in tournament next season. Next season. And I just, they've got to find a way to salvage this. And I just don't know what it is. Um, we can go through the eight and teams that make sense. Uh, if you want to do that exercise, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, I don't think there's a great sign and trade with the Pistons. We just talked about how that may be out the window anyway with Jeremy Grant going to Portland. Um, I, I'm just fascinated by how they resolve this because if it's not resolved well, and by well, by the way, what I would do is just re-sign DeAndre Ayton. I would just, I would just, I would just do that. I don't know if that's out of bounds, but I'm fascinated to see how they resolve this because if they screw this up, Warriors, Clippers, Nuggets, Mavericks, Wolves, Lakers, Pelicans. Did I say Grizzlies? I hope so. Maybe you, the remnants of Utah, the Mavericks. I'm repeating teams probably, but like it, it, it's, it's, it could get ugly out there. I think the one thing you can't do. I don't know if, if Aiton would ever get to this point. I don't, and I know for Phoenix, you'd be like, oh, we'll just have him for the – I don't think that you can allow him to sign the qualifying offer if we get to an ultimate stalemate here. I Hell think, no. Hell no. That's a disaster. It's a disaster because this player will go out into free agency, and if he has another good year, will we'll earn a lot of money next offseason. And, yes, he would take a $14 million haircut this year based on where his QO is. Um but you will lose him for nothing, right? So I think, you know, Wendy always has this great exercise when I do it. When he says, like, when you sign a player, like, you, you look at it and you think that player is tradable. Is it a deadweight contract or is it a tradable contract that has value to it? Like, I think if you signed DeAndre Ayton to, let's say, a four-year, $130 million, let's say, max, like, that's a tra- it will be a tradable contract, I think, down the road here when you look at him. Where the alternative is is that, you know, you do a sign and trade and you mentioned you get a serviceable center and something else where like, like, what is the window to this roster? And, um, you know, it's funny when you watched them during the year, there was a point when Aiton didn't play. I think he was hurt and they had like JaVale and like Biombo and they played, you know, Biombo played well. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I wonder if ownership or the front office is looking at it like, you know what? We can use our money somewhere else. We don't need to pay a guy $31 or, million. Or- we can just not pay the tax for two years because we're cheap. The tax window for them is is two seasons, two three max. Like once, it's actually just two seasons. I think once Chris Chris Paul's deal is non guaranteed. So here's what you do when you have a really good team and you have to pay the tax to keep it together for two seasons. You pay the tax or you get out of the NBA. You pay the tax. If you're not willing to pay the tax for a 60-win team for two seasons to let it ride and give it a shot, sell the team to someone who will pay the tax. Like, everyone applauded the Nuggets. Wow, the Denver Nuggets are signing up to pay the luxury tax. Congratulations. You have a two-time MVP, and you're willing to keep your team together around him. What a sacrifice the heroic Kroenke family who owns 9,000 sports teams around the world that are probably all profitable. How great for them. So pay the tax. Uh, I don't, you said some other stuff that I can't even remember. I I mean, yeah, I mean the tax, like we, I talk about the tax all the time and stuff, but it's like the tax really only has teeth when you're in the repeater tax, like golden state going out and signing Looney and Peyton this off season. Well, maybe not for Joe Lacob for another team 
has a lot of teeth because it basically cost you $100 million this year for those two guys, right? In the time that you said that sentence, the Chase Center just made $5 million for, for, for Joe Lacob. I don't know how, but that's what happened in the time you said that sentence. I just, 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 again, I mean, these guys are I mean, billionaires. Like, just like pay Phoenix the tax. Is not, it's not like they got 200. They, they have $128 million in salary, right? So, so, so what are 30? So like, if God, I want to sign on. and trade Aiton, if I want to sign and trade Aiton, what are my realistic destinations? And I'll go through a couple of them. Charlotte's been wanting a center for a million years. What do they have that's of interest to me? I don't think a double sign and trade with Miles Bridges is all that plausible. Um, Toronto is interesting. We can talk about that. Atlanta, I just I, like I got to get more than Clint Capella, and because Clint Capella is coming off an injury, kind of he just wasn't the same guy coming off an Achilles injury. Not not a tear, but an Achilles strain. He just wasn't the same guy. Washington's got nothing that I'm super interested in. They need a center. I mean, I don't. Am I getting Porzingis? I don't think so. I think they are. The the idea is they would pay, pair a center with Porzingis there. Um, I just I don't know what the return is or where the sign and trade is. And the other thing is you mentioned Javale and Biombo. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, they looked awesome. Regular season, they looked awesome. Devin Booker got hurt in the first round of the playoffs, and all of a sudden they needed a center who could make turnaround jumpers and hit floaters on the pick and roll and score from nothing. And DeAndre Ayton became that guy, and he had like three or four twenty point games in a row. They don't win that series without DeAndre Ayton. Well, guess what? Chris Paul is 37 years old. At some point, the the 18 elbow jumpers he takes with the game on the line, the nine in a row he makes in the fourth quarter of a big game against the Pelicans, those are gone. Miles Bridges, he Cam Johnson, who I, I you know, they've got to extend him too. Like they can give you a little bit more creation, but I don't see either of those guys as like a 30 pick and rolls a game kind of ball handler. Even Miles Bridges pick or uh, uh, Mikhail Bridges rather. Mikhail Bridges' pick-and-roll volume went down this year. Like, at some point, all those shots are going to be redistributed somewhere. Aiton would seem the most logical guy. Bismack Biombo ain't doing that. JaVale McGee's not doing that. I just think they got, they're playing with – they are playing with fire. The Suns, ironically, are playing with fire. Well, yeah. I mean, especially when they tell him just to go out and, you know, go get an offer, right? I mean, that's going to be the – you know, where they're basically telling him that He's they're not he's not a priority here. I mean, basically the only other the only other team would be San Antonio, right? I mean that's the Pirtle one. I'm like Pirtle's fine. Yeah, Pirtle is not getting you 20 in a game where you need someone to get you buckets. Like he's a good he, he improved his little push shot. Uh, he he's fine finishing on the pick and roll. By the way, he has the he he had he can't shoot free throws. He's like a 35 percent free throw shooter. That seems like it might matter if he ever plays games that matter again. Uh, just a, just a thought. Like I have a 30 percent free throw shooter on the floor seems bad. Well, but but then it comes back to how we how we started the podcast. Like, so what does what does Aiton do for you if you're going to trade off? If your goal is trading off Murray for draft picks, and you're just going to really just build through your youth, that means you want a 31 million dollar center there. I mean, eventually you do have to start getting better, right? Like, I keep. How about I keep Dejounte Murray and get DeAndre Ayton and still have maybe Keldon Johnson and some other and Josh Primo. But how about I have some freaking fun? Like that seems like a fun. T- I'd watch that team. Dejounte Murray's 25. Eh, I get selling high. If you want to go full rebuild, you want to get the French the the French kid. You want to be in play for that. 
That's fine. I get that. I get it. Like, I get it. If you can get three, like, unprotected or light, lightly protected first for DeJounte Murray, you have to consider that. I just, okay. I mean, you might not get the French kid. You might pick fifth. That's that's the reality of your life. Yeah, that is the reality here. So, <clears throat> I mean, Phoenix, of course, they'll be, just because they have probably one of the best free agents, you know, certainly him and Bridges out of the restrict un, uh, unrestricted guys as far in their window, right? We've talked about their window is like, now you lose him. The window starts to close all of a sudden. For the ones who get it done. Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. Very interesting scenario. Give me another team on your list. I think Memphis. Before we wrap Memphis here. for me, real quick, just because of Go the tie. You me. know, I think they're interesting <clears throat> because of Tyus Jones. Um, it's hard to find. It's hard to find a market for him because the teams with room, um, Indiana, San Antonio. You know, we New York. No, uh, you know. Um, Detroit, you know, there's not a cap space. He's a cap space free agent, I call him, right? He's not a mid-level guy. He's I think he's he's a cap space free agent, but without a cap space team. What do you what do you mean by that? Do you mean that Memphis would at Memphis would yeah. pay him the mid-level? No, let's just remove like if he was out, let's remove Memphis from the equation. Like if he went out into the free agent market, right? He I think he's a guy that deserves more than the mid-level. But I don't think the mid level is there for him. I mean, I don't think cap space is there for him. Like if he, like he could probably go to one of these teams. He could probably go to the Wizards for the mid level, right? The, the the full mid level at ten and change here. But I think for him, he's probably looking at like I want to start in this league here, right? Like I, you know, how do I get to fourteen to sixteen million dollars? And I think it's going to be a challenge. I think for Memphis, I think there's still a priority to bring him back. But I think there's a price point, right? They they see him probably as a backup to Ja. Um, is that in that you know 13, 14 million dollar range? Can you do a short term deal? I think he's a I think he's a priority to bring back based on Ja's you know certainly injury history, durability. They drafted Kennedy Chandler, a, you know rookie here. So that's that's why I'm interested as far as what happens with Tyus because all of a sudden, like if him and Kyle Anderson go. Man, now they're sitting. Now they become a cap space team, right? They got like twenty million dollars in room, which they rarely, they never do, right? They're never like we saw, you know, three years ago the Waiters trade, right? The, the Waiters Winslow trade when they took on all that money, 
um, last year they basically punted on free agency a little bit because of, I think they did the Beverly trade and that used up some money here. So, um, so that's for me is interesting as far as what do they do with Tyus Jones? Because I think he's a priority for them, but they seem to kind of know what the price point is going to be. Maybe they just bring him back at the mid-level if there's no if there's no better offer for him out there. I mean, he engaged a new gear in his career last year as a shot taker. He was such a passive player, and he still sort of is a is a low turnover caretaker at heart. But he shot more threes. He he shot more aggressively in the mid-range, and I think that was the important next step for his career. He's a good player. He plays an important role with the Grizzlies. They were good with him and Ja on the floor together. I think there's skepticism about whether that lineup can hold up against the best, best teams in the playoffs. And that's the conversation Memphis got themselves into. I mean, Steve Kerr said on this podcast, the Grizzlies game six was the toughest game we played in the entire playoffs. Like, that's how good those guys think the young Grizzlies, even without Jaw, are. I just think they're fascinating to watch even medium term. All the chips that they've got to play. They just cashed in Melton for a draft pick at this draft. I think that trade's a good one for both teams. What, where are they going to use them down the line is interesting to me. Well, I think they're, and I think like, you know, it's interesting how they're, they're, how they draft too. Like they don't, they don't care where people think David Roddy was on their boards, right? Like many people had him in the forties, right? Jake LaRavia is a nice player. Many people had him in the late twenties here. Like they like have a system, like the secret sauce, as far as how, what, how they see players and how those players fit in. Right. And um, so they've earned the right, you know, at, you know, Zach Kleiman has earned the right because he's built the roster through the draft, added players in, in a trade here, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like we've talked about Phoenix here, like this Western Conference, man, is going to be a bear like there, you know, well, you know, the Clippers, like we didn't even talked about it. Clippers. Like I went through their lineup this morning with the wall edition, likely edition. Right. And, um, you know, and I know John has only played 72 games in four years and hasn't played two out of four years, but man, this roster is deep. Like you just look at it. Their second unit is like, is loaded here. So this West, as I said, the Western conference is going to be so much better. Thank you for bringing up the Clippers. Cause I wanted to make sure to talk about John wall. Um, Wendy drew some ire that I thought was unfair when he referred to one of the Warriors wins in the finals as a checkbook win because of the Andrew Wiggins trade and, and the enormous amount of money. And Chase Center just made five million more dollars as I was saying this. Um, I, I just thought the level of ire he drew was a little unfair. People, people spotlit that phrase. And he was actually, I think, meaning to compliment the Warriors ownership more than anything else. That's neither here nor there. If you want to really look at a checkbook team, it's not the Warriors. Well, it is the Warriors, but it's also the Clippers who have apparently no end to Steve Ballmer's appetite to spend money uh, on this team. And if they're going to give John Wall the taxpayer mid-level exception, which coincidentally just happens to be almost exactly the amount of pay cut he took for his Rockets buyout, they might lose Hartenstein in the process, but they're an enormously expensive team. I assume they will get a center, another center. Right now, they really only have Zubats as their only true big man on the team. And I love Zoo, but I would get another one just as an insurance policy. Hartenstein, they might lose because of the wall deal. I love the John Wall fit on this team. He has a turbo north-south gear that they don't really have. They kind of are up. They're not plotting exactly, but I just think between Powell and him and man, I like when they have a sort of wrecking crew of just let's hit, let's attack, attack, attack. The flip side of having Zoo is the only big man right now. And again, I think they'll change that. 
I think they're leaning more and more into we're going to play five out a lot when it matters with Covington at center or Morris at center or Batum at center, whatever it ends up being. And, ju- and the way we beat Utah two years ago, spread the floor and attack. And in John Wall, yeah, people will lay off him and dare him to shoot jumpers. That's cool. He's still got some jets. He fits that vision like a glove. He's going to get by people and they're going to shoot tons of threes. I really like the fit. And if you want to tell me the Clippers are the favorites to win the championship going into the season, I, I, I'd I like to have a little more certainty about how Kawhi looks, but I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I, love, I love that addition for their teams. Yeah, I mean, they have an owner that's got an unlimited budget. I mean, seven out of their top their, – seven of their top highest players were either traded for or signed as a free agent. There's no – you know, certainly they have – you know, Terrence Mann was a nice draft pick, but they're totally different from what how Golden State has kind of built their team. They basically have just used the, the trade market – to trade for players and then resign them, whether it be the Robert Covington extension, Luke Kennard, um, you know Marcus Morris, who they got from the Knicks, I believe, you know, believe in that trade. Norman Powell, who was in Portland, who already had signed that contract here, and and They're Batum, loaded, and Batum's going to come. I mean, Batum's going to come in at a number. I mean, probably what like you know nine to ten million dollars potentially. So that's going to like you know they already got. I mean, 100 and, uh, 178 million in salary going into the off season. It's a big number, and there's no they they've shown that they're they're that that see bomber. I mean, now you get Kawhi back that I'm going to pay for a good product. They're loaded. I mean, they got these young guys, Brandon Boston, Jason Preston. They love. He didn't play at all last year. I mean, I don't know how those guys even see the floor on this team. It's they're assuming Batum comes back, and I think the safest bet is that Batum comes back. And you mentioned the center position. Like in this free agent class, it's not as it's not, you know, it's average to blow, but the center position is probably the deepest out of the group here. When you're you could probably you could probably cherry pick a, a guy for like the you know veteran minimum exception as far as once the market kind of goes through. They're going to miss Hartenstein. He was awesome for them. But I just think I think more and more they seem to be leaning into let's play a whole bunch of wings and attack, 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 and space the floor and switch a lot on defense. And I think that's smart. The last team on my list real quickly that I want to get your take on is Chicago. Because I think Chicago, they kind of fell apart last year after Lonzo and Caruso got injured. Pat Williams was injured for most of the year. Uh, the Vucevic, Vucevic had just an okay season and that trade kind of looks bad in retrospect. I thought it was not great for them right away and, and a home run for Orlando. That was certainly a minority opinion at the time. Um, I'm just interested to see if they bring back Levine at the max, how they, how they pivot, if they pivot at all, or they just think this team for the next two years is good enough. There's obviously been some smoke around Gobert. The wild card for me has been, will they include Pat Williams in a trade like that? I don't really think they can get anything significant unless they include Pat Williams in a trade. He's become a very divisive player around the league. You get people who are super high on him and say Chicago should not include him. He could still be what we thought he was going to be. Then you have people who are like, is this, I mean, like, why is everyone so high on this kid? He's barely played. Do, do we know he's, he's a very low usage player? Can he create? Can he create his own shot? Can he create for others? I'm on the more optimistic Pat Williams camp. I, 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 he's still very young and very inexperienced. I, I like the skill set. I like the glimpses we've seen of him as a two-way player. But I just wonder, the, the Lonzo knee thing seems troublesome. I just wonder, like, do you just let this team ride 
and say we have a two-year window with DeRozan, Vucevic, Levine, et cetera, and then we can build after that? Do you go deeper into this window and trade more of your future to upgrade that two-year window? Or or is there some other pivot that we don't see? But they, they're, I, the pessimist would say they're kind of stuck and they already are out two first-round picks, one to Portland and one, or I'm sorry, one to Orlando and one to the Spurs, I think. I'm just interested to see if there's a pivot here that we don't expect. If you told me a team makes a move that seems to come out of nowhere or is not in a direction we expected, I Chicago would be like in my top five just just because of their situation. Well, and I think you know, can 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 you expect another year of what we saw last year from DeRozan? Right. I mean, I think that's going to be the big question. I mean, for me, really, it's just it's just Lonzo's health. Like we saw when he's healthy, but that's a huge. That's a huge if, right? Like as, as far as where he is and what he's going to to look like. I mean, Levine, if the number is five years, two fifteen, man, that's a whopper, right? Thirty seven million this year. That takes you to one forty. Ten million below the tax. You can probably use a little bit of your exception to add in uh, in free agency here. But um, you're, I mean, I don't want to use the word stuck because this team was twenty twenty seven and thirteen before you know injuries really took its its toll, but I think if, if Lonzo not is not there, then I, I do think you're probably looking at um, you know an average team in, in the Eastern Conference. The other thing Levine reminded me of is just quick on Brunson, and I don't know what Chicago's going to do. Probably just run it back. I, I boy, trading Pat Williams would scare me if I were them, but maybe 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 they think differently than I do. I might I said before for the record, my gut is that they would not include Pat Williams in a Gobert trade. Real quick on Brunson. Because you mentioned Levine, Bobby, and just biting the bullet and paying what the market costs because you don't have a real means to replace him. And I think Levine is fine to do that with. I, I think you just have to do that. I talked to a number of executives yesterday around the league, not with the Mavs, not with the Knicks, who are very curious to see how the Brunson situation plays out. Because I've said from the beginning, I think the Mavs are going to have to outbid the Knicks to get Jalen Brunson back. I think there are hard feelings there about the lack of an extension offer and what the Brunson camp com- considered a timely fashion. Um, and I- I've always said because of that, I think they're going to have to bid more than the Knicks and maybe significantly more. Well, if the Knicks open up 25 in space, as you mentioned before, you're approaching max territory for Jalen Brunson. And I was surprised how many executives I talked to yesterday in a league that sort of fetishizes value contracts and you've got to be able to move everybody. The consensus, I, mean, I didn't have this conversation with 20 guys, but maybe eight or 10. The consensus was, well, if you're willing to pay him 25, you got to pay him 30. Because are you really going to lose him for nothing over $5 million, even if that it has some tax penalties on top of it? And I thought that was really interesting because, again, the, the, this is a league that fetishizes value contracts. and You've got to be able to move them in this. And it, and it also goes to... What does Dallas consider itself? Do they consider themselves a legitimate conference finals threat again? Do they look at the West around them loading back up and say, boy, we could lose in the first round next year. Do we really want to overpay for that kind of team? I'm just curious as a former executive. I was surprised how basically unanimous it was that if you're going to pay him 25, you just pay him 30 because you can't lose him for nothing. What do do you think of that? That's exactly how people think. It really is. I mean, as far as because you look at what the the alternative is, if you're Dallas – and you're saying, you know what? I don't want to get to 20. I mean, like, is there a price point where Mark Cuban just walks away from? That's the big thing. And if he does, now you're looking at $157 million in salary without Jalen Brunson and not much to to go out and get. Your trade exception expired on Monday. 
you've got your tax mid-level exception. You can't take back a free agent in a hard, in a, in a, a trade because of a hard cap. I mean, that's the reality of it here. So I'm already going to pay another hundred, $100 million on a $25 million Jalen Brunson contract. Man, it, the max on a, a guy is $30.9 million. That's what we're looking at here. So if you're Cuban, it's like, all right, what about $28 million, $29 million? If I'm willing to, you know, what's plus $3 million to me compared to having probably a pissed off point guard or a pissed off guard in Luka and not another scorer on this roster? And now I'm stuck with Hardaway, Dinwiddie, um, uh, you know, that's kind of your your group. Christian Wood, who you just went out and got in, and got in a trade. So, so for for Dallas, that, that you're going to have to look long and hard at, at that as far as you know, go you know, outbidding as far as what your comfort level is going to be. I kind of like the fit of Brunson on the Knicks, um, but that's a discussion for another day. All right, Bobby Marks, we covered a lot of ground here. Um, I know you're a very busy man in Bristol this week. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the work you do. Your free agency mega guide. It's not even just a guide. It's a mega guide to all 30 teams. Who's got space? How much? What assets are there to move around? Is leading ESPN.com, I think, right now. Check that out on Insider. Bobby, your work is invaluable. I will see you soon, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me.